Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's better than this? Guys being dudes. What's better than this? It's just a couple of guys being draft dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. I am Kyle Krabs, Director of Scouting with NDT Scouting and Draft Analyst for FanRag Sports. And I am joined by my man with the plan, uh, my Assistant Director of Scouting at NDT Scouting, Joe Marino. And we are here today to finish what we started. A couple weeks ago, we did a series on four quarterback prospects, and we called it Pound the Table, Pump the Brakes. Uh, We are going to cover another four quarterbacks. Last episode, we did Brad Kai of Miami, Deshaun Kaiser from Notre Dame, Patrick Mahomes of Texas Tech, and Mitchell Trubisky from North Carolina. Joe, welcome to the show. Why don't we set the table for the people right away? Let them know what they have to look forward to today. Yeah, that's that's going to be just it. Setting the table, you know, Kyle. One thing, real quick, we we did Mitch Trubisky last time, yeah. so I don't know if your Mitchell Trubisky takes are any different. But uh, um, and and by the way, that's Joseph Marino to you. Um, oh, you're gonna you're gonna pull this. You're not gonna let this go, huh? <laughs> no, no, no I, I'm over it now officially. Um, so yeah, no, I'm excited about this. This was a popular show last time. And we need to finish this thing off. We've got uh, four more of the top guys to get into. And I've got to give the disclaimer right off the bat. You know, we're charged with, you know, one of us putting the, the pound the table, the message out as to why this guy is going to be good. And then the other one's going to give the flip side as to, you know, why we should be hesitant on him. And uh, we're forcing ourselves to take certain opinions. So uh, in a minute, when I'm talking bad about, well, you know, uh, Nate Peterman. It's not necessarily because I fully buy into that, but uh, it, it wouldn't be fun if we didn't give two uh, fully uh, comprehensive looks at both sides of these prospects. So there's my disclaimer. We're just playing devil's advocate. That's it. That's it. Yeah, we're just going to play devil's advocate. That's all. So, uh, Joe, I I got the first dibs last time. I did my guy Mitchell. Uh, yes, my Mitch and Mitchell takes are exactly the same. So I'm going to let you 
uh, take the uh, the head dog here and, and really drum up some excitement for uh, the the first guy I let you pick all these guys, and you obviously picked Davis Webb. <laughs> yeah, wrong. Uh, no, so Deshaun Watson, Clemson. I'm, I am going to pound the table here for the Clemson quarterback, and my goodness, if you want to talk about a guy that has been to the largest stage that college football has to offer, and consistently showed up in, in, in big games on the biggest stages you have. You know that's Deshaun Watson. He is a guy who has uh, outstanding dual threat ability. He's the only quarterback or the first quarterback to ever throw for four thousand yards and rush for one thousand yards in the same season. Uh, so you get uh, both a passing skill set and a running skill set. He is lethal. Uh, as a runner and extending plays with his feet to make throws down the field. Um, you know, he's got plenty of arm strength to make any throw that you want him to make. He throws with a fair amount of anticipation where he's able to uh, uh, hit receivers between zones and, and, and loves to work leverage throws. He's willing to test man coverage. Just look at the chemistry that he had with Mike Williams this season, uh, putting it in good places for Mike Williams to adjust track and make plays on the football. You like guys that are willing to push the football fall into those situations really like his pocket skills he climbs the pocket very well keeps his eyes down the field uh, is able to find quick platforms with his feet deliver the football as a runner and and finding the quick platforms just when there's pressure coming in the pocket is his mechanics are fairly sound so you don't have a whole lot to work through with that and um you know he's he's plays in clemson system that has a lot of quick reads and that type of stuff but he's not a one root guy he works his progressions he's a full uh full field reader and uh you know he's able to find the best matchup and, and get, try to get it to his to his man so uh, he checks all the boxes in terms of a physical uh, upside he's been to the big stage he's battle tested he's won big games he's got an off the charts record as, in terms of being a starter his resume is about as good as you can ask for and uh you know this is a guy with that it factor with all the intangibles you can want so uh you know what if i'm san francisco right there at number two i'm turning the card for deshaun watson okay so uh there are a, a number of different criticisms that we've heard about Watson throughout the course of the draft process thus far. And uh, I want to take a moment to cover all of them. I think some of them carry water and some of them don't. So I'll start with the ones that I I think are kind of foolish. Uh, First and foremost, this idea that he's a quote-unquote point guard. Uh, You hear people talk about that, how he's better uh, letting his players make plays and and getting the ball out quickly. And I don't have a problem with that. where I want to pump the brakes with Watson is schematically, if you're running an offense that requires you to push the ball down the field, if you want to take shots, and you saw in Washington uh, with new 49ers head coach Kyle Shanahan, they like to push the ball. They like to, to let it rip. They like to sling it around. And that's not where Watson is at his best. Uh, Watson misses a lot of vertical throws. He misses intermediate throws. He misses high in the middle of the field in the intermediates, which is concerning. And uh, there are times in which he just totally misses zone defenders in the middle areas of the field. So that's a a cause for concern uh, when you're looking at his projection to the next level, especially if you're going to get into the, the concept of taking him number two overall, where he's much more of a 
timing-oriented passer, and that can win, but I think that ceiling has the potential uh, to be a little more limited than a guy that's able to throw with accuracy and, and, and push the ball down the field and hit big plays and not rely on explosive plays after the catch, and that's where Watson seems to have thrived. Uh, the other thing that's worth noting with Watson uh, is durability. He's uh, well put together, but he does have a knee injury on his his record and his medicals, which uh, you have to be careful with, with more mobile guys, guys that are capable of running and getting out in space. And uh, you just need to really make sure you stay on somebody like Watson to uh, take care of his body and limit his hits and protect himself and... Uh, no, I think that's about as far as I can go for talking down on Deshaun Watson because this is this is pretty hard, Joe. I don't like doing this. Yeah, I know that was tough. I know he's one of your top uh, one or two quarterbacks in this draft, but uh, you know, look, we got to try to give paint the whole picture here. And um, um, you know, I'm with you. Yeah, he's he's a guy that uh, is is exciting, and I'm willing to uh, buy in. You know, on on all the good things about Mr. Watson. You know who's a little less exciting but still quite nice? Who you got? The draft dude's guy, Nate Peterman, quarterback from Pittsburgh. And that's the guy I'm going to pound the table for right now. Uh, first thing that stands out about Peterman is during his time in Pittsburgh, uh, he did a great job taking care of the football. Made smart decisions, smart throws. Uh, he is accurate especially if you're working within that 15-20 yard bracket inside the line of the line of scrimmage. Uh, very uh, capable in those areas and hitting all the throws and not making mistakes. That's something that we did see from Watson was missing guys in zone coverage in the middle of the field. And Peterman has better field vision in the intermediates and it seems like his ability to diagnose where guys are in zone coverage uh, is reliable. And uh, he knows when to take shots. Uh, He's playing in an offense that's very pro-oriented. He's working from under center and uh, commanding the offense at the line of scrimmage and and making pre- and post-snap reads. Uh, Probably one of the more polished quarterbacks in this class as far as his ability to work through progressions and work the full field of play. So if you're looking for a guy that maybe is not going to be a 40-45 pass attempt per game guy, but somebody who you can rely on to keep the offense on schedule, keep the chains moving, getting first downs, uh, the the situational football, uh, third down uh, in the red zone. He's good in those areas. He makes smart decisions. He doesn't take points off the board. Uh, All of those things, I think, make him a quality NFL starter. So if you're looking to skip out in round one, and maybe it comes back around sometime in round two and you're on the clock and you opted to take uh, a player with a higher ceiling at a different position, but you need a quarterback, you could do a whole lot worse than Nate Peterman. So I'm tasked with pumping the brakes here, and and if I have to make a case against Nate Peterman, it's that what you just described, while it's very valuable – um, all the things you said, keeping an offense on schedule and moving the chains and kind of checking those boxes, it's 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 just ordinary. It's uh, not anything that, you know, you can project this guy to be the reason that you win football games. You know, kind of that quarterback purgatory, if you will, a guy that's uh, 
he's just as average as it can be. And while that's probably okay, because not everybody gets to have Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or Ben Roethlisberger, you know, but he's just going to be a guy that, that you have to take him somewhere. You can probably get a better player at at a different position and you're going to be stuck with, with just average. And, uh, you know, to me, you either got a great quarterback or you're still looking for one. And I don't think that Peterman is going to be a guy that, uh, is going to end your search for a quarterback. You're going to keep looking. So, um, you know, I think he's a guy that needs to have talent around him. He's not going to make uh, everybody around him better or, or you know, you're going to have a productive passing offense just because of him. You know, he needs to have a good running game, good offensive line, good targets. Kai, you know, if you want to win games with him, he needs to have a defense. So there's a lot of factors that have to be in place to win with Nate Peterman. And, um, you know, it, he doesn't. He doesn't end your search, in my. There you have it. There's a counter for Peterman, but I, I very much agree with a lot of what you said. It's uh, it's that was difficult to, to actually say all that. Well, you uh, you didn't make it seem difficult. You just let that one fly, dude. You know what, Kyle? I was in um, in high school. I won the my my uh, my county debate tournament championship. So, uh, and and part of that was. Uh, having to take on opinions. You didn't know what side you were going to be on before, right before the debate. So, uh, I am, I have some experience. Oh, so I'm, I'm working against a loaded deck here. That's great. <laughs> yeah, man. You know, uh, so uh, here we go. What do we got next? Uh, pound the table. I've got my next quarterback that I'm pounding the table for, and that is Virginia tech quarterback, Gerard Evans, um, uh, exciting prospect here. He's got great size, great mobility for the position. Uh, he comes in and, um, you know, he's that, that big body passer with a uh, good accuracy and our above average arm strength. He shows the skills needed to distribute the football and an efficiency. Uh, maybe you project him to a West coast system where he can get it out, distribute the football, get the hands in into his playmakers. But, you know, he's not just a guy that, He's a one uh, one read rock and throw kind of guy. He'll work the ball vertically down the field. He has great chemistry with his receivers, where he sees their routes and knows how to get the football into space and allow them to go get it. So you love a guy that's willing to put it out there for his his targets. Um, he he uh, exec- like I said, he executes a quick game distributor, and uh, you know he's. He's a guy that plays in an assistant that's going to take some time to transition to the next level. But, uh, you know, he shows enough savvy to understand uh, what coverage the defense is in and then work the football accordingly against it. So his his pre-snap uh, read to his post-snap execution is, is pretty solid. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I like I like his uh, developmental upside. I think he's got excitable traits and a guy that, you know, he's a lot more appealing than some of these more boring quarterbacks in this draft when we're talking about, you know, where I think Gerard Evans actually ultimately gets drafted. You know, I think he's got a lot more of, of a higher ceiling than you know, a guy like C.J. Beathard or, or Davis Webb, something like that. So uh, give me Gerard Evans a chance to develop him, and I think he's got some uh, some considerable upside to tap into. Sure, but here here's the issue with Evans. Uh, one year of starting on the Division One level, and while the production was strong, uh, there's a lot of troubling habits that he's going to have to clear a lot of hurdles in order to reach that ceiling and that upside that you're talking about. Uh, does not show 
uh, a lot of NFL patterns and, and multi-layered reads uh, with where he wins. They just like to isolate one-on-one, and that simplistic approach to the passing game and the passing infrastructure in the NFL, it's not going to fly because you're going to get guys that, that bracket you know, your read and your, your isolated read to the, the single set of the field when you got a bunch on one side and you got the guy that you're looking at on the backside one-on-one. And unless you've got a physically dominant guy that's out there at the flanker, it doesn't work that way. You can't win and sustain success that way. Uh, so this is somebody who's going to be a long-term investment. You're going to have to spend several years working on getting him up to speed and up to par with NFL-style uh, route combinations and timing and all of that is going to take time. And while that's okay, you also consider in the fact this is another guy that has been bounced around to a couple programs. Started at the Air Force Academy, went JUCO, now is at Virginia Tech. And then he jumped after one year, and you're curious as why he didn't come back. And he has a, a knee injury from his time at the Air Force Academy. There's, there's just a lot of red marks here. A lot of red tape that you're going to have to clear before you know you're going to get a starting caliber quarterback. So while there is some upside for the uh, the third round, or I'm sorry, the third day value for somebody like Evans, uh, it's a total shot in the dark. Where I would rather have somebody, if I'm going to invest on a, a day three quarterback, I want somebody that is working with an NFL-style offense so I can be more enthused about what I'm getting and trying to maximize his skill set, knowing that he can play a translatable style of football. All right, so so get out of character here. Yeah. And Kyle Krabs, you, you're on the clock, and the only two choices, this is the, this is the early fifth round, late fourth round, something like that. Yeah. You're an NFL general manager. You can only yeah. t- pick two players. One of them is Virginia Tech quarterback Gerard Evans. The other one is Miami quarterback Brad Kaya. Who are you picking? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, really put me on the spot here. That's uh, what we do, man. Yeah, I know. It's what you do. It's yeah, you've you been do. doing it a lot to me lately. Well, you know, what comes around goes around. I would probably take... Uh, what style of offense am I playing? Whatever. Who's your Who's your head coach? Whatever. Okay. Adam Gase is your head coach. Probably Kaya. Mm. See, I think well, Kaya... If you've got a strong guard-to-guard on your offensive line, you can work with Kaya because if you're protecting what's in front of his face, you're protecting him from himself because so many times he's his own worst enemy when he sees and feels pressure. When he's in rhythm, he's really good. He can make a lot of throws. He can be accurate. He doesn't have the most zip on the ball. uh, But he's reading, and he, he does well identifying pressure, he just doesn't handle pressure when he's pressured. So if he sees that somebody's coming, if the, if somebody's bringing an extra guy, he's very quick to distribute the ball, get the ball out, replace the blitz with the ball. But when he doesn't see it or when there's early penetration in his face, he's a train wreck. You know, I would yeah. I would work with that before I work with Evans as a throw it up in a one-on-one situation and, and let your guys win style player. Fair enough. You know, it's interesting. Kai is like almost like a football robot 
when you watch him, his whole his whole process is so methodical. And to your point, when things don't go as expected, or he misses something, or if things are breaking down around him, you know, it's really hard for him to uh, to adjust. It really Di- is so. different style players as far as strengths and weaknesses and his arm ability. But as far as like the robotic approach, it's kind of like gives you that like Brady Quinn, Chad Henney type feel, right? Where it's like everything's so you can see the thought process going on in his head. When, yeah. When it's like you, you're like, okay, first read, second read, and he like he visibly moves and like it's very mechanical in a bad way. Right. Um, so I just find it interesting that you bring that up because I absolutely see that same thing where it's. It's so robotic where it's to some degree you have to be able to put yourself off the rails and understand not every play is going to go exactly as the way it's drawn up. Right. And that's where Kai is his own worst enemy. And that's something that you see a lot of guys really struggle uh, to cope with because if you, if you have that approach, you know, you're kind of breaking your own thought process in order to break that down. So uh, freelancing is a gift freelancing and ability to make things happen uh, when the play goes wrong. And that's I'm not talking Chad Kelly-style freelancing where you just throw it up and close your eyes and hope for the best and it deflects off two defenders and then your guy catches it and runs 70 yards for a touchdown. <laughs> not that kind of freelancing. But stepping up in the pocket and kind of flushing out the side and altering the arm slot and throwing around a free-running defender, that kind of stuff, that's a gift. And... Um, you certainly don't see that with Kai, and that's the big concern with Kai. Now that you got me off track and you, you blitzed me, I thought for sure you were going to ask me um, Evans or the guy that I'm about to pump, pound the table for right now, and that's Davis Webb. Uh, Davis Webb. Okay, where do we start? Webb started at Texas Tech, uh, lost his job, I believe twice, once to Baker Mayfield, and then again to Patrick Mahomes, transferred to Cal, Played this year at Cal, and first of all, there's nothing to turn your nose up if you're losing your your starting job to Davis Webb or to to Baker Mayfield, Patrick Mahomes. So talented guys as far as their arm ability. Um, what I like about Webb is he's kind of the rich man's version of Gerard Evans, where he can really push the ball. He's got a confidence about him. He's a gunslinger. There are some throws that. He makes that not many guys make because, A, they're either not dumb enough to make the throw or they're not confident enough to make the throw. And that's a blurry line sometimes, but you see that confidence in Webb where any throw he's willing to make because he thinks he can make it. And he fits a lot of tight balls into tight windows. He gets great zip on his outbreaking patterns and can beat defenders trying to shoot across the face of receivers and, and fit that ball in there in a tight window. Uh, that's where I think he's at his best. He's got a great placement on his deep ball, but those outbreaking far sideline throws is really where he makes his money because he's capable of fitting that in there and putting the pacing on the ball to beat a defender that's planning and driving on the throw. And you can't teach that. So if you think you can get Davis Webb into your offense and acclimate him and get him up to speed with handling uh, the infrastructure of the offense and how to set the offense up for success at the line of scrimmage and then get him into a rhythm and comfort with reading the field, his physical skills are off the charts and he makes 
more throws, more NFL Sunday-style throws than what you see from Gerard Evans. And just as a bonus before you pick up and, and try and pump the brakes here, he's a lot better athlete than people thought he was. With his, with his uh, combine performance, he was like the fifth best size-adjusted quarterback in the class. And for a guy that uh, he extended some plays, but you didn't get to see a whole lot of him out of the pocket because he likes to throw the ball. Uh, nice to see a guy with his build, with his frame. He's built like an NFL quarterback that can move a little bit. And I think if you, you encourage him to use his legs a little more, you could get some extra dividends out of that as well. Uh, so, so pumping the brakes here on Davis Webb, I guess my number one concern with him kind of stems from the anticipation area and in decision making. You know, he's got a high volume. I, I don't have a statistic on this, but I, I'd be curious to see it. He's got a such a high volume of throws that are broken up by opponents just because he lacks that ability to throw with anticipation. You can tell when watching him that he wants that primary target to get open and he will lock into it. And, uh, uh, you know, he'll wait. He'll sit there and wait for it to get open and sometimes even force it into that spot. Um, so that's that's my kind of my major concern. And that's I think that's a product of the system. You know, this is we saw the transition that Jared Goff had to make. Uh, and uh, I think it's going to be equally as difficult for Davis Webb, even to the point where you see him taking pass drops and he's uh, remaining parallel, his shoulders parallel to the line of scrimmage before he delivers the football. I mean, that's the stuff we don't even see in the NFL anymore. Um, so the predetermined throws, the system's a, a concern. Uh, the, the accuracy is a little bit of a concern as well. This is a guy that really likes a clean pocket. And um, when, when, he, when he has to speed things up, and get the football out, you know, I think his accuracy dips considerably. He's more of a rhythm guy. Um, and uh, for him to be accurate, I think he's really relying on other things coming into play in terms of protection holding up and his first read uh, breaking open when he expects it to. Outside of that, I think his accuracy really, really dips. Um, and, uh, you know, I want to see him do more work in the field, manipulating eye, uh, coverage with his eyes, moving safeties, uh, you know, coming back to a read after scanning, you know, just work in the whole field. I think there's a lot of growth that he's going to have to show uh, to to do what it takes to be a productive NFL passer. He's got some baseline traits. I'm not going to ignore that. Um, but, uh, you know, and to your point about the athletic ability, he did test well. I was really surprised, particularly with his agility drills. And I don't know if that's more of a system thing or not, but he didn't make much of an impact with his feet in terms of getting outside the pocket or extending plays. So, uh, you know, I'd like to see that show up. It really hasn't. So I think there's, there's like I said, there's baseline traits to work with here, but uh, there's a lot that needs to to be working for him, for him to have the production and maximize his talent. So we're seeing the same exact thing and just spinning it two different ways. Well, yeah. (laughs) No, I'm kind of with you. I I think Davis Webb, uh, he's got a fourth-round value for me. He's a day-three quarterback. Um, But the upside that you're getting out of the potential because of his baseline skills is a lot better than I think you're going to get out of any of the top, I guess, the top five. You know, if you're talking... Watson, Trubisky, uh, Mahomes, Peterman, and Kaiser as, as the top five guys. Uh, I think Webb gives you the best skill set to work with outside of that group, uh, but the value in which you would have to invest, you know, being completely honest and out of character here, I would probably just wait a little bit and invest in, in Gerard Evans instead. 
So when the, when I flip this the the question from Kaya Evans to Evans Webb, you then go for Evans. Correct, because it's the same style player, right? So it's no longer you don't have to take into account the the uh, the scheme fit anymore because there's this translatable. There's a direct one to one with what they do well and what they don't. Uh, Evans makes more things happen with his legs. Uh, they both like to, to sling the ball vertically down the field. And I think they're comparable. Webb gives you more as far as what he does well right now. But the upside with Evans and the investment that it would cost for Evans uh, would be more attractive to me. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, good show. Uh, we we might have to try to do this again, maybe with some other positions. And uh, you know, it's it's always interesting to to have to take that opinion that you don't necessarily agree with, but kind of go with the narrative, if you will. So uh, that is going to do it for us today on the Draft Dudes Podcast. Thank you for listening. Got a couple of reminders for you. First. We just rolled out the NDT Scouting Premium subscription. It is available for pre-order right now on oh, NDTScouting.com. Yeah. You're getting two draft guides. You're getting 600 archived reports from 2015 and 2016. You got a 12-month calendar that uh, really uh, breaks the mold. Yeah, it really. Yeah, it's exactly right. It breaks the mold. So if you're sick of this uh, below-average NFL draft coverage uh, that's not in depth and not uh, you know, transparent, and you don't see the work. You know, Kyle and I are here to change that. We've got a 12 month calendar for you. It's 20 bucks. Uh, you know, I, I took my girlfriend to lunch, and it cost me 25 bucks. So if you don't do that one time all year, you can afford the uh, the premium subscription. So please uh, take some time and check that out on ndtscouting.com and stay tuned for a new website. Uh, this thing is going to be sick. So uh, we'll be excited to announce that very soon. And we have a, a really nice uh, new content plan for you uh, with a lot of free stuff as well from Kyle and I and a few of our uh, national scouts. You'll have a lot to look forward to there. Uh, follow along with us on Twitter. Kyle is at NDT Scouting. I am at the Joe Marino. We love to interact with you on social media. Facebook, uh, NDT Scouting has a Facebook, facebook.com slash NDT Scouting. And please don't forget to subscribe, whatever uh, you like to listen to this on, whether it's iTunes, Audio Boom. Pod bean, whatever. Hit that subscribe button, and we'd love for you to leave us a rating and tell us how we're doing. Uh, I hope you enjoy your weekend. We're going to be back for you again on Monday. Signing off for Kyle Krabs, I am Joe Marino, and this is the Draft Dudes Podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.